Hello, I'm John Kenny, the Relationship Guy, and Relationship Coach, helping people to create healthy, intimate relationships. Welcome to the show, the show where we talk about all things relationships with a mix of my own relationship ramblings and some great guests from all walks of life who will be discussing the importance of relationships to them. Hello, so today's guest has provided transformative experiences to high performers and entrepreneurs around the world, helping them move from the grind to aligned. They are the founder of Untamed, a company that serves their audience through a unique brand of coaching, speaking and events. They have helped or at least tried to change the lives of eight-figure business owners, world record holders, senior military leaders and top performing professionals. Welcome to the Relationship Guide podcast, Mr. Jim Hughes. Thank you very much for having me. Delightful to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was obviously a very brief introduction to what you do. Uh, so if you can just tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you help people. Well, I'm reluctant to because that intro makes me sound way cooler than I actually am, even though <laughs> I wrote it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, as it, in your introduction, <laughs> as, as it alludes, I um, I love I love helping people who are in a state of being uh, frustrated, burnt out, they lack clarity. And, and I call that state being in the grind, you know, when you're, you know, something needs to change um, and life feels so difficult. Work feels difficult. Relationships feel difficult. Yeah. And it feels like you're, excuse my French, constantly pushing shit uphill. And when you're in that state, you can't, you're not at your best. You can't make the greatest impact. You're certainly not having the most fun and, you, and you're not the best version of yourselves, which as you'll know better than anyone is, is massively detrimental to relationships. And I, I'd love to help people having gone through it myself. I love to help people uncover what's causing those symptoms, what that, what uh, has led them to be in the grind and how, and what the, the alternative to that is, um, which is aligned what that looks like, how that might feel and how the changes they need to make in order to feel aligned, to be their best self, to, to be, um, to, you know, to make the greatest impact. And, and we do that through uh, coaching online, you know, in one-on-one or group format or um, uh, in uh, physical form at our untamed events, which is my favorite part of it, which is where we get together and we're outdoors in nature and we go on hikes and canyoning and we have some beers, there's fire pits and all my all my favorite things in life basically come together for those events. I think I, think I need to sign up for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of event. <laughs> yeah, the mega. The next one's in May actually, in, okay. uh, in near, near Bristol. It's exciting. All right. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that after the show. So you you mentioned so can you tell, so you, how does that work in as a functioning thing? How do you get people to shift from that space? And then and then maybe you could tell us a little bit about your personal story there because you've obviously made those changes yourself as you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I suppose in the the, the broadest sense, it's self awareness um, because when when we're in the when we're in that state, when we're in the grind, when we don't know what is next it's often comes down to our lack of knowledge of who we truly are because ultimately we're trying to live a life that is probably more geared to somebody else we're trying to be somebody who we're actually not through conditioning through habits through um limiting beliefs through narratives that we picked up from you know from childhood um 
and we're trying to fit into a mold that ultimately was, is never going to make us feel energized and, and put us into a state of flow. So the more, the more I can bring to people's awareness, the, the difference between who they're trying to be and, and who they actually might be at their absolute core, not the learned self, but their true self and all of the different sides of our true self, because we're not just one person, we are multiple sides, multiple characters. Then the more that they can start to un- unleash those those sides of them and actually be more true to themselves. Right. Yeah, and I was talking to a client about that last night. Actually, they were parts. There was a part of themselves that comes out when they have a drink. Yes, and, that, and they neg- <laughs> they were negatively naming that part of themselves, but actually that was more their true self than they actually realised. Uh, yeah, they were living a life based on who they thought they should be. They rejected that part of themselves when they'd had a drink and those conscious blocks were removed and they were able to feel freer and that but they they didn't know how to be that person or thought it was wrong to be that person and so labeled it as something completely negative i know and it's 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 such a shame isn't it and it's i was talking again like me i was talking to a client last night about it the intention behind the behavior was everything and you were you had an interview i forget the lady's name and she said everything is comes from a place of love or from a place of fear Mm. and and um when we are when a character comes out because we're drinking that's not necessarily the the best intention it's not the most positive loving abundant intention yeah. therefore therefore it's easy to 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 mislabel that character as being someone that just comes out when we're scared or when we're you know when our inhibitions are down but ultimately if that same character can come out from a place of love and when you're in control of it it's a whole different ball game no, I completely agree. That's, that's the marvelous thing, actually. I'm, I'm hopefully, that that will resonate with people for sure. And your journey. So your journey from change. You you became someone from the grind to the align. How did you do that for yourself? Well, <laughs> by spending a lot of money, by taking <laughs> by taking a lot of time, by attending every event that was known to man at the time, um, every reading every book, going to podcast, uh, going to. Um, going to seminars, listening to podcasts, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And to, it was a journey that took me, oh, it's, it's a never-ending journey, but the main bulk of it, where the, the, the real low-hanging fruit was was sort of picked, so to speak, that was about eight, an 18-month process um, and t- cost me, I was living in Australia at the time, so it was like something like 20,000 uh, Aussie dollars or something. I can never remember fully, but it mm-hmm. was just, it was a journey of self-awareness, essentially. Mm. And and did you then obviously need to find what aligned with you in order to bring out that best self? Yeah, absolutely. I was I was to to the grind element for me was was I was running a business in Australia. It was an engineering business, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not an engineer at all. I mean, that ultimately that doesn't really matter. But just to set the scene of how aligned I actually was, like yeah. I <laughs> I was running an engineering business, having no clue about engineering whatsoever. But I was also in an office in a light industrial estate. In an, in an archaic, I was working in the mine industry in Australia, which is fairly archaic. It was full of embittered, uh, you know, 40, 50 something year old blokes who'd been in the industry for <laughs> for years. And it was just, a, it was like every meeting was a competition. Who had the crappiest job? Who could moan <laughs> about the mining industry the most? And I fell into that, you know, as you do, you're yeah, yeah. surrounded by these inputs like, and it just dragged me down. And I, was, and I kept thinking like, all I want to do is take the piss out of people in these meetings. But I kept muting that side of me because obviously it wouldn't have gone down particularly well. And I was questioning myself for, I was, you know, bear in mind I was running this business and I, I had no experience running a company. I was like, I was missing details. I wasn't enjoying, I wasn't following up with like the reporting. Like 
there was those elements that just wouldn't, they didn't energize me. And I was questioning, like, am I a bad leader? Am I a bad, am I ever going to be an entrepreneur or CEO or whatever? Because I don't like these things. And no one ever took me aside and went, well, let's have a look what you are actually good at. What are your, what are your strengths? All oh, right. So you're brilliant at, well, brilliant. You're, you are naturally gravitate towards the bigger picture. Could be brilliant. Come on. Could be, yeah. <laughs> I'll get there one day <laughs> if I keep pushing. Yeah, um, I think we'll stick with the first word. I always like the first word that people can try and change. We'll yeah, with one. You're brilliant at that. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. Certainly better at it. And um, yeah, so nobody was there to say, well, maybe you're just better at the bigger picture, the the strategic, and you're better at starting things than you are at finishing things. And you make decisions based on intuition rather than data. And mm. you learn better through doing rather than through reading. Have you ever thought like maybe they're your strength? Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, that would have been that would have been so amazing had somebody taken me through that. Right. Um, and then and then you can tweak your role, you can tweak your life, you can tweak everything around those things. You can get people around you who who support those things, mm-hmm. who allow those things to flourish, so that your personality can thrive rather than mm-hmm. have to be muted, which it was in my case. And I didn't realize it was taking hold, and it was slowly chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And you know, I'm talking about work setting, but the same happens in relationships. Yeah, I mean that that just resonated with me what you were just saying there. I was going to come on to that in a bit. Is is that sounds also exactly how people can be in relationships? Mm. Um, but so you were able to understand going through your own journey what you then be, were good at, what you felt congruent with, and was natural for you in a style that brought out your the real self. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, learning what environment I needed to be in in order mm. to allow me to thrive, in order to allow me to be my true self. And not in a not not in a conscious sense, but in a when it comes out unconsciously, when it's natural. Yeah. Um there's so much power behind that. And I just as I was the more I learned, the more I realized I was like, oh my God, no wonder I'm stressed. No wonder I'm like drinking more. No wonder I'm becoming uh, uh, you know an angry so and so we uh, you know the weekends no wonder i'm knackered it's because i've been i've drifted so far off course like i'm in the sea and i'm swimming with my head down and there's tides and currents and all the stuff and then i eventually put my head up I'm like where the hell am i what direction am i facing and where where should i where should i be pointing yeah that's a great analogy i think that's again that's something that people will resonate with greatly because we do find ourselves lost in that space don't we and actually yeah don't know where to go and uh, again fighting that tide fighting those currents um eventually we just get overwhelmed and exhausted and yeah and again like you said you fitted in you tried to fit in with that environment so all that negativity that was surrounding you all the time not your natural personality but because of the environment that you were in you bought into that that way of being as well yeah there's there's a phrase i use like basically change your environment to allow your natural personalities to to thrive rather than changing yourself to fit into your environment yeah. and that's that's not to say that you should be one thing all the time and to hell with your, the consequences of who's around you that's that's yeah. by that's way too simplistic approach but in general in general life and it comes to relationships work your hobbies, your way you live, all of those things. If they are the, the closer they are aligned to your natural state, your natural energy, your natural frequency, if you will, the easier, the more effortless it's going to be. That saves energy for you to actually to to be creative, to overcome challenges, to to give love, to give support to other people, and to make a better impact. Yeah. So you being your kind of in your best space, being your best self means you've got so much more to offer. To exactly. Everything else. 
So what exactly. did you do then at that point? So you had this kind of enlightening kind of moment where you thought, actually, this is not where I want to be. It's not where I need to be. How did you then move that forward to, to, to a different space? Well, like I said, it was, it was, a, it was, it was just loads of small steps, mm-hmm. chipping away at it, chipping away at it, learning, gaining self-awareness, ga- uh, gaining self-awareness, gaining confidence, gaining clarity. And then um, ultimately taking that information to, to then say, right, I, I now actually need to do something about this rather than just learning for the sake of learning. And there's a, there's a, a really, that's a really key element. And I'm in the process of sort of refining this as a concept um so this is nearly hot off the press here john you're uh, okay. you're lucky but there's, <laughs> there's um i've got a theory about change and i'm and it's for this kind of three elements as to what can inhibit our our ability to change right. what can contribute to um making change happen quicker and on the left side you've got the status quo you've got people have to understand the cost of their current situation People have to admit the cost of us, their current situation. And again, in relationship terms, they have to come to terms with, oh, maybe this relationship isn't isn't right for me. Maybe there's some conversations that need to be had here. And that's the first step that most, that I say most, a lot of people never come to. So they do it to really kind of reflect on where we are. Exactly. If we think our situation, our status quo is is like a five or a six out of 10, that's not that's typically not that painful for us and we'll we'll deal with that because as you know our brains are wired to survive not to thrive therefore if we can tick along on a five out of ten and and it means that we're not threatened for a lot of people that's okay yeah yeah we just go through it exactly but then on the other side of that not only do we realize how we do we have to quantify the the cost of our current situation we also need to fall in love with what the alternative can be because if we don't have an alternative we just we go wow well this situation at the moment is terrible but oh god i've got nowhere else to go like what's next so we need to clarify and fall in love with what the new scenario can look like create a vision around it and and become energized by it Mm -hmm. to the extent that you cannot imagine an alternative and that's what i did with my lifestyle i was i when i I started to fall in love with the idea of being a um, nomadic, of being an entrepreneur, of having freedom. I started visualizing what my days would look like, who I'm going to be chatting to, the kind of money I'm going to be making, to the point where it was so unbelievably brilliant. I couldn't imagine not yeah. moving towards that. Right. But then the third element is the resistances. So imagine a pipe, and all of these resistances are like piling on the, on the center of that pipe, and they're squeezing it. Right. So that the more resistances there are, the more force you need to go from the current to the new. Those resistances can be fear of judgment, fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of rejection, um, a lack of ideas, a lack of money, so many fear of success. Um, And the greater the change, the greater the perceived change you need to make, the stronger that force needs to be. Yeah, definitely. No, I love the way you put the resistance there. Um, resistance is very key when it comes to this change, isn't it? Because your brain, like you said, it's there to help you to survive, not to thrive. And when you start to do something it's unfamiliar with and it doesn't really feel comfortable with, it, it does throw a lot of resistance at you. It does, it does. And then and so much of that fear comes down to how we're going to be perceived because that's, again, back in the day when if we got castigated or removed from our tribe or community, it meant certain death. Yeah. so in a relationship sense if we've been 
you know, married, if there's kids involved, there's mortgages, there's lots of ties. It's not only is it the, the logistical nightmare of extricating yourself from that relationship, it's the fear of judgment from friends, from family, from everyone going, oh, wow, is, is that really the decision you're going to make? And that's, that's so much, especially the judgment from, perceived judgment from kids as well. And that is the, one of the main things that keeps people in those relationships. Definitely, it's, it's that fear of how people again. That comes from way back, like you said earlier on. This all these experiences you have when you actually care. It's it's too important, isn't it? What other people think about you and, yeah. and how you're going to be perceived. And then again, that will have a lot to do with also how you perceive yourself and that kind of self confidence and self worth that you carry. Yes, hundred percent. And the more at peace you are with yourself, the more aligned you are. The more um aware you are of who you truly are the you have confidence and clarity that you're on the right path that you're living your potential the less those judgments have an impact so where did untamed come from then so you went on this journey of self-development um you put all this into practice you created this really powerful vision that you could not now live without by the sounds of it it drove you thought this is definitely how i'm going to live my life and you were driven to achieve that where did where did untamed come from in all of this untamed came the word i played around with different versions of, of the same theme and what i what drew me was the fact that i felt like a fish out of water in the engineering world in the mining world where i was energetic i was sort of people liking me to a puppy all the time <laughs> and that kind of energy didn't fit in necessarily with my, with my environment and i wanted to take the piss i wanted to make jokes i wanted to be excuse my French again, I wanted to, I act like a, a dickhead. And as I say, in a playful way, that, that energy isn't always responded well to in certain environments. So the idea was like, it was like, I played it around with like a diamond in the rough or, you know, like polishing the diamond or something. It's like the <laughs> idea of taking somebody who's muting their personality yeah. and just allowing that to thrive. So untamed was basically the word that came out having, having, sort of brainstormed loads of words and processes and stuff like that that was the word that came out um, and, and i wanted sense, to doesn't it about from what you're trying to achieve with people exactly it's it's untaming you're taking them back to their true self rather than the yeah. tamed version the note the, the learned version of the, the fearful version no that, that's interesting i've never heard of it called that before and it that, that makes a huge amount of sense because we are in, in essence if we're res restricting ourselves to certain boundaries we are living in that tamed space aren't we yeah now people have taught us to be like a lion tamer right you you treat the lion in a certain way because you want it to act in a certain way and i guess that it's the same with human beings when we're kids the experiences that we have are because we need to fit into the mold that people are trying to make for us absolutely and that's and then we but we carry that as our truth mm. We, we take that on board because when we're kids, we're like a sponge and we just need to know, we just want to learn where, where we fit in the world. Who, it's our need for certainty. Who am I? What am I good at? What am I crap at? Where in the world do I fit? Where in this family do I fit? Where in my school in playground do I fit? Yeah. We just, whatever we hear, if we hear it a few times, especially from people who we respect, like parents, teachers, whatever, we take that on board as our truth and we carry it through to adulthood. <laughs> in so many cases, it's just not serving us. It's not who we truly are. Again, that's what... I to, to plug my own stuff a little that's what my documentary is about my documentary is called forget me not the child you left behind and it's about mm -hmm. those parts Brilliant. of ourselves as children that we believe don't fit into the environment that we grow up in and so I say as my client last night that part that comes out when they've had a drink is something that they is very their playful childish kind of really affectionate side which was 
stifled as a child and then they don't believe it now fits for them and that again my documentary covers that idea that we are not that the child that we've left behind the child that we've forgotten um that we don't allow in and feels very mm. in, in, inauthentic and incongruent but actually is a very stable part of who we are yeah it's so true i i do i do an exercise with my clients and that documentary sounds amazing i do an exercise with my clients called the cast list exercise and this idea is that you have multiple personalities, multiple cast members, and you are the director of that mm -hmm. performance. You right. are not those individual cast members. And you've got people waiting in the wings. There's only one microphone on stage, and only one of your characters can have that voice, uh, can have the microphone at any one time. Mm -hmm. And then some of those characters have had the microphone for way too long, um, and are dominant, and they just take the stage. They, they, certain triggers happen in their life. Let's say they feel threatened by, by th their partner. So then, this the the, the fear-based um insecure character just storms onto stage who was first created when we we're eight years old who will do anything to avoid feeling hurt and feeling um belittled so that's character storms onto stage and resorts to anger and judgments and tries to take significance away from other people and yeah. there's all of these other characters in there as well who could also be do a much better job of that situation but there's they haven't necessarily been allowed to flourish and as a director it's like taking on that role of saying I can control which of my characters comes out and storms onto the stage at any one point rather than just feeling like we often do, which is powerless. Like, Oh, here comes outside of me. I've got no control over this. Yeah. It's like a default that, yeah. that we don't have, we don't choose to be that person. We just allow it subconsciously yeah. to it's the, it's like you said, if it's the way that we've learned to protect ourselves, it's the way that we've learned to deal with those really difficult things in the first eight years of our lives it is the most powerful defense that we've got isn't it and that that will show its face and as you said that you'll be that character in a lot of situations where you get triggered to in order yeah. to try and protect yourself yeah absolutely so let's have, let's have a little discussion then about your relationship side what are the significance um of relationships to you how have they influenced you over your time Oof massively there it's inextricably linked if if we are well for me when i wasn't at my best self as a result of my work um not to point the finger at work obviously it was my responsibility but it was work that was the main contributor to it um i became more angry i had less energy to be my best self and it affected my relationship so at the time like i said i was living in australia and um i had gotten together with a, a girl I knew at school, we knew each other from the age of 10. We played rugby together the first time we met at the age of 10. Right. And we'd stayed friends throughout our teens and, and 20s. And then, long story short, I went back to England. Um, we got together. She then moved back out to Australia to live with me because okay. she was living in England at the time. Yeah. And we both speak our minds quite quite um, readily, so to speak. <laughs> the beginning of that relationship whilst we knew that in, in our deepest hearts that it was meant to be and that it wasn't a case of if it was a case of just we just need to overcome these initial hurdles it was no, it was no like doubt in our minds really um when i look back on it so much of those early sort of confrontations or, or disagreements were fueled by my own sense of insecurity at the time by my lack of confidence in myself by my frustration and stress from work and i look back at it 
obviously like I, I sort of criticized myself a bit for the way I acted. I don't give myself too much of a hard time for it, but I'm also very grateful for the fact that the relationship started when I was in that state. So the fact it not only survived, but grew through that is a really positive sign. Um, but there's also a really, a really key element to this story for me, which was not going into too many details about it because I don't want to speak for my wife, but I, the, one of the biggest frustrations, I found her really overly sensitive. So I would like make jokes or comments, or whatever, and, and she'd get offended by them. Or, yeah. And I couldn't understand it because she was in other circumstances. She was incredibly like boisterous and sort of masculine in that sense. And she played rugby for years. So she's one of the, one of the guys, one of the team. Yeah. Um, but then she would get incredibly affected by things. And I couldn't understand it. And I, resp- I responded with, with anger to that and I couldn't understand it rather than sensitivity and empathy. I responded with anger to it, but long story short, I eventually reconciled. I realized that we are, we're so, we're so often we're subconsciously drawn to a characteristic in somebody else that we long for ourselves. And I am a, a naturally sensitive person. And, and that can come out. And back then it could come out in occasions, but it wasn't my dominant side. Um, and I had through years and years and years of conditioning from, from uh, my home life through to work and all that stuff, I had taken on this sort of very masculine, macho, trying to be everything, trying to be the, the class clown, nothing ever affected me. I didn't cry for you. My, my wife didn't see me cry for our entire lives up until, up until about 2018. Um, and I'd hidden that side of me. But thankfully, I managed to reconcile it, realize that actually there was <clears throat> the, the I was if used correctly, I could allow this side of my wife to bring that side of myself out and reconcile it rather than fight it. And I did. And then there's something, you know, what she found frustrating in me was ultimately something that subconsciously she longed for in herself. And I find so many relationships broken down by that. Yeah. Because subconsciously, both parties are drawn to each other for something like one person feels they're a bit conservative and a bit stilted and they want to be a bit more wild and free. And then they see that side of somebody else in their future partner and they, they're drawn to it. Yeah. But then they never reconcile that and they're afraid of it and they try and stifle it in the other person, which just creates bitterness and tension and anger. But yeah. so the fact that we both reconcile that, realize that in our own relationships, basically it allowed us both to grow. And to be to 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 tap into much more of ourselves. That's that's fascinating, isn't it? That you were drawn to each other by the differences, but actually the similarity of who you wanted to be. But yeah. actually, at the start of the relationship, that was great because that's what you were attracted to, and it worked okay. But after a little while, those types of things can become quite difficult to manage, can't they? Because you're frustrated in yourself that you can't. Or are not allowing yourself to be that person. So then you try, like you said, you try and stifle that yes. in the other person and try and criticize the other person for being the, the thing that you're originally attracted to. Exactly. And and it would be really easy if it was all conscious, but it's not. It's all subconscious, no, isn't exactly. it? Most of it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very unconscious uh, way yeah. of behaving. Um, but like you said, you brought that into your consciousness. I did. And it was only through my my desire to to learn more about um the coaching work that I was doing to be a better coach I realized that I can only connect with people to the extent I've connected with myself 
So I kept going to the, that's why I said the journey was never ending. I kept going to these um, events and, um, you know, learning more about myself. I I didn't go there to go, right, let's work on my relationship. I went there to just learn more about myself and my business and psychology and all this kind of stuff. And that was, it was a byproduct of that. So I'm so grateful that I was on that journey in the first place. Because if I, if I'd pursued a different path, maybe a more mainstream path or continued the engineering stuff, the chances of me uncovering that to the extent that I have are, are, are so much slimmer. Yeah, you definitely, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have allowed those parts of yourself to come out, would you? No. You wouldn't have even been aware that they existed. No, I wouldn't have been, no, the, the bitterness, the tension would have, would have continued and we would have just managed our relationship because I, I have no doubt the relationship, it, it wouldn't have come to an end. It would have just been, we would have, we would have lived with that side of ourselves. We would have lived with that tension and just and just assumed it's par for the course, which so many people do in the relationship as well. It just it's their way. Exactly, yeah. And it's like people say, well, works work, works meant to be works meant to be crap. You're not meant to enjoy it. I mean, I know that's kind of an old school way of thinking, but still so many people believe that. And yeah. it's just not the case. Just doing something to get a payback. It's again what we're generally tamed to believe as children, isn't it? That's the route we go. We go to school. And then we get our qualifications and then we go and get a job because we need to pay our bills and we need to get the mortgage and we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, exactly. And also the blueprint of our parents' relationship as well. If like if they fought all the time, oh well, yeah. that's just what that's just part of the course of relationships. Mm. You fight occasionally or a lot. Mm. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid as well, my dad is that you need to go and get a job. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do, you just need to go and get a job. And it's not like, go go on, son, go and find something that you really enjoy and ma- make it fulfilling for yourself. It is, you need to pay us rent to live here. Go and get yourself a job. <laughs> exactly. And, and that becomes my, that became my mentality. It was just I needed to pay the bills and my job was just there to pay the bills. And I would say up until I'd started doing the coaching, probably the therapy before that even. So I was probably in my late 30s, getting onto 40 before I actually did a job. That I actually really enjoyed and connected with. I've always yeah. been in the service industry, but I'd never served in the way that was fulfilling for me. It was always in a way that was fulfilling maybe for other people. And I think that was also a shift in me. I was always a bit of a people pleaser. I wanted everybody else to be happy and yeah. felt a bit of a failure if they weren't. And but then it was when again personal development seminars, workshops, everything else that I went to made me think actually I'm allowed to be happy in all of this as well and what does that look like exactly and when you live in the service of others i mean life is about service and Mm. it's about to an extent it's about sacrifice but only when you have coming from a good place when you are at peace and you're in control of that giving Mm. whereas when it's just serving for the sake of of meeting a need because you're afraid of the alternative it's a fear-based to go back to the early quote it's a fear-based act not a love-based act You've got no energy left at the end to actually serve people in the truest sense because you can't serve yourself. Yeah, and I think something you mentioned earlier on about being, if you're your best self, you've got so much more to give to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, 100%. To the fullest. And so with the relationships now, uh, when you're on your, your reflections, you understand where all of that kind of, maybe that limiting belief stuff came from, that subconscious behaviour. It's interesting what you said. I'm just imagining you as like a 40, 50 year old man still working in that mining industry. <laughs> if you if you hadn't got on top of all of this stuff, um, when you kind of able to reflect back, you understand that journey that your your survival skills as as an up up to the age of eight and where all that affected you and the, how that determined your life up until you became aware of that. Yeah, very true. Not 
not in a not in a finite sense because there's always always so much to learn i mean i've had two major epiphanies about myself and my work in the last three months uh, i say major epiphanies probably not on the on the scale of previous ones but but still fairly significant um so there's always there's always lessons there's always layers to dig into there's always connections to be made conversations to be had that join the dots because you know coming at it from your side is only ever you're only ever seeing it's like viewing a house through the keyhole type thing um so there's always lessons to be learned but yes I look back on it and it's it seems so obvious now to say oh of course that dynamic I grew up in at home with um you know two older brothers um one of whom is incredibly alpha male um both parents uh you know an alpha dad um, and a mum who became extremely masculine in order to survive because she'd run a company for 40 years um, and she'd started that business with a co-founder in the 70s, back when women really didn't run businesses, Not certainly not many of them. Yeah. So she'd had to break, shatter the glass ceiling and mm. deal with loads of um, misconceptions and prejudgments. And mm. So she, she was then in a household full of an alpha uh, husband and three lads all of whom had a lot of masculine energy so she adapted to become that the my life everything was a competition we used to laugh about yeah it, yeah so everything's masculine everything's masculine everything's a competition mm. how fast you can eat how loud you can be how funny you can be how mm. yeah it's exhausting i mean it's funny and i'm glad i got some parts of that side of me because i um because i do i still love competition in it when it's coming from a place you know a positive place but yeah it was exhausting <laughs> yeah i guess it would have been like you said it was just this constant wake up in the morning and how am i going to win today yeah type behavior and again like you said you took that forward into other areas of your life until you realized that you were trying to win was just kind of making you lose a lot it was and it was it was trying to win but the, the, the i suppose the desire to win and be the best it didn't really come out in me until i was in my late 20s the, how it manifested before that was um, just trying to be, trying to get attention and usually through being funny, being stupid, um, getting my clothes off at parties was a common one. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a video, um, video evidence of that. <laughs> there, oh, I'm sure there's hundreds of videos. Um <laughs> doing ski races, wearing very minimal clothing, because I knew I wasn't going to win, but if I was going to get a laugh or get in the paper, you know, that was by yeah. far, that was that was by far the best <laughs> route to do it. Goal achieved. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so there was a lot of, uh, like you said, attention-seeking then. You really mm -hmm. need to be seen. Yeah. yeah. Do you understand what part of you you wanted people to look at? What was that about for you, that real urge, that need to be seen by other people? um i don't know i wonder if i'm not sure if i know what side of me i wanted them to see i think it just being noticed just right. being being seen and heard because being heard in my family was was a tricky uh was was not easy certainly not perception not perceptibly anyway which as you know per perception is reality in these situations so i think it was just to be noticed for anything and and my my go-to was humor was being an idiot because i was i was fairly brave I, I lived in whistler for five years and i would throw myself off you know cliffs on a bike or on, on skis so that was a, that was a natural go-to for me for some people it's by being in the top one percent at school or you know by being the captain of the of the football team or what have you i i was never smart enough or 
uh, athletic enough to be those things. And I certainly wasn't six foot four and strapping and and, and going to get the ladies naturally that way either. So I, I had to find my own, I had to carve my own niche as to, yeah. as to how I was going to get attention. But <laughs> that guy's well, crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy's crazy and a, and a bit puppy like. Let's, right. uh, <laughs> let's go with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Until he's had a few drinks, and then, and then you never know. <laughs> okay. Now, that, again, that drink thing there, that would switch your personality? That would allow that side of me to come out even more so. So when the, the living in Whistler was brilliant for me because it was brilliant and not in some ways, but it was an environment where that side of me was allowed to thrive because everybody, not everybody, so many people were loved partying, they loved sports, they loved outdoor, they loved extreme. Extreme personalities were 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 rewarded or were at least welcomed. Mm-hmm. So that side of me could come out. But it like like we said before about the intention, it wasn't necessarily coming from the healthiest place. It was a lot of the time because I do love to have fun. I love to break people's barriers down. I love to connect quickly. I love to be stupid. But so many times it was coming from a place of fear and scarcity um, and insecurity. And obviously drink was, you know, would fuel that. That's why it was such a shock to run this engineering business because that came after my time in Whistler. Okay. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, this is a big change. Being up indoors, being miserable, no one wanted a party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Again, you can understand why you became so kind of, uh, I was going to say embittered then. It was, it was so squashing the whole experience you'd probably lived up until that point. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, muting was the word that kept coming up. It was like, I feel like I'm being muted. I feel like I'm, I, I'm not allowed to, I'm not being encouraged to thrive here. And that's not to make excuses because it, it's my own choice as to where I work, where I live, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if I suppose for anyone listening who feels like I'm a fairly, you know, I'm not a not necessarily a normal case with how my behavior manifests, but insecurity, um, frustration, misalignment shows up for people in so many ways. It can, shows up in playing, in being depressed, uh, uh, anxious, playing uh, the victim, um, you know, ill health in the form of obesity, drinking, you know, to distraction, uh, anger, high performing because people, most of the people I work with are high performers. So I can resonate with that because it's like pushing and pushing, pushing from a work sense or a revenue sense. So don't necessarily listen to my story and go, well, that kind of doesn't really apply. It sounds like a strange case. It, it can show up for us in so many different ways. And if, if you, I suppose anyone listening to this finds that so any of the, that list I've just come up with resonates, think, oh, okay, what's, what's that? That's the symptom. What's the cause? We can't line again, your previous interview, you said that, you know, we can, you can treat the symptom all day long in the form of um, medication or meditation or time blocking or, taking a time out if you get angry during a relationship, you know, yeah. a fight or what have you, but that's only the symptom. Like what's the cause where, how and and where are you misaligned? Yeah. That's that again, something that I'm sure people will take on board and resonate with because it's, that's how we find out what, how to kind of deal with these things and move forward. If we're ready to do that. So, if we're ready to do that, if we can, if we can fully quantify the cost of our current situation yeah. and be prepared to, accept there is something more or different yeah and then allow ourselves to have that choice and and create in like you said earlier on create that vision create that emotion create that attachment to a different future absolutely Um, and surround yourself with people who would support you on that transition because that's that's probably the single most important element to this is your environment let's touch on that again for the relationship side of things what's tell people about the significance of the people that you have around you in your life and the significance of 
uh, people that support you and people that don't. Oh, it's I can't overstate the importance of it because, like we said before, the need to fit into our environment is one of our basic, if not the most basic, human need we have, apart from you know reproduction and, and food um, and water, because castigation, alienation meant death. So if we uh, we surround ourselves with people who make us who who meet our needs, whether it's in a healthy way or an unhealthy way, and we will do what we can to fit in and, and satisfy those people and and live according you know our values our way of being kind of averages averages out and there's some unbelievable statistics which i can't remember exactly but if you if if like three out of five of your friends have been divorced your chances of of having a divorce are dramatically increased same for smoking same for alcoholism same for early death it's it's incredible so if you have people around you who are happy with where you are and afraid of who you might become they're going to constantly try and hold you back even with the best love in the world fear for them their own fear their own survival instincts will kick in because there's uncertainty there and there's doubt and their own emotions will be triggered and they will do what they can to in most cases to hold you back whether that's your employers whether that's your loved one whether it's your family so being surrounded by people who who love you for the person you are but also love you for the person that you can become is unbelievable and, and you'll know this from a coaching sense if you're and i i always 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 encourage the people i'm chatting to to bring their spouses in on board and their kids oh, on yeah. board with the journey that they're on yeah. um because otherwise they come off a call and they're like yes brilliant that's some action steps this feels good this i feel like i know who i truly am this is what i'm going to move towards and they're all in this you know positive state of mind and then they go and chat to their wife or the husband or whatever and, they, and that person just brings them back down and goes well what about this that and the other you can't do that you never achieve that bang they're straight back and the amount of force therefore needed to overcome that is so much greater because of that resistance and the analogy i use is it's like it's like you've got to overcome gravity you know as we talked about in the past you've got to overcome gravity to make that to make those changes so if those people are supporting you on that your chances of, of changing um are critical and there's and you can take control of that it's not a case of looking around doing an audit of your environment and go oh well i'm a bit screwed because they're kind of not really supportive change your environment i spent so much time and money and effort changing the people i was surrounded by not just who i went to the pub with because it's not as easy to do that but what inputs am i taking on board on a daily basis in the form of podcasts i'm listening to books yeah. that i'm reading yeah, uh, yeah, definitely yeah. You surrounded yourself by people that were going to help you to move to that vision create that you'd created for yourself rather yes. than the people that maybe like you said were too fearful of your success or for you the the, the fear of you changing uh, and what that would mean to them um, yes and they wanted to keep you stuck in that space that they yeah. were familiar with because um, they will impose their own fears on you and it's then whenever people say you can't do that is go yeah. okay interesting that's obviously yeah. a reflection on you here let's let's look into that so just be so yeah. conscious when someone suggests you can or can't do something or you are or aren't somebody yeah I always just think is this a me problem or a them problem it's definitely a they problem i like to throw the word can't out of the window i know i can't run 100 meters in 9.5 seconds but i can put as much into it to get close as close to that time as possible yeah uh, and again you need people to say you know what you might not get to 9.5 but if you put your best in i'll support you and get into that yep. space um and if i can support you in that i will again with relationships that needs to be reciprocal in some way um, but with the right people that will 
that will that will harmonize and that will work very well. Uh, that's one of the reasons why one of my coaching programs I offer people access to me whenever they need it because mm. of that boundary. If they've got a lot of people that are trying to hold them back or are unhappy with the change they're trying to make, they go back into these environments where, like you said, you've done this amazing work with your client. They go off with all of these ideas about how they're going to change their lives and put things into practice which are going to help them, and they have no support with that. Um, and the only maybe the only positive role that they've got in their life is you as their coach. Yep. Uh, and you can keep encouraging them and you can keep supporting them and you can keep pushing them in the right direction and keeping them accountable for their for their actions. Um, and sometimes relate other relationships will need to go by the wayside in order for you to to do that. And it's absolutely prepared and accepting of the fact that you might have to change the people in your life to get the life that you actually ultimately want. Yeah. And there's there's low hanging fruit, isn't there? You changing your environment. Let's say the root cause is the the, the spouse, there's just a massive misalignment there. The, the relationship was founded on on fear and scarcity right from the beginning. Um and let's say for argument's sake, it's just not meant to be. You don't have to start there because <laughs> that's probably going to invoke invoke the most amount of fear, yeah. uncertainty, yeah. probably money, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> time, yeah. pain, all of that stuff. Start with low hanging fruit. Change the 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 books, the podcasts, the the inputs, the the YouTube channels, the the news. What news you're watching? Mm. What new? Mm. What what are you consuming? Then you can move on to your acquaintances. Then it can be your friends. Then when all of that, then that will gain. You'll gain energy. You'll gain clarity. You'll gain confidence. And then you can maybe tackle the big one, which is right. I think I'm now at a place where I can actually address this, the elephants in the room, so to speak. Again, a fascinating, uh, great bit of uh, advice there for people that are thinking about changing their lives because, like you said, your brain doesn't want to change the big things necessarily straight away. We need to prove to ourselves, we need to prove to our survival kind of instinct that actually we are able to put changes into place and it's not going to be too terrible. Um, so trying to change the big things or, or trying to change too many things at once is going to freak you. You're going to freak yourself yeah. out. Uh, yeah. And that's going to create a huge amount of resistance and, and probably an inability to see it through. Um, yeah, very true. Yeah. It's been an amazing conversation so far, Jim. Thank you for your time. Um, I'm afraid we are running out of time. So uh, I believe there's a there's a sort of a freebie gift that you can offer to the listeners today. Yes, I would be more than happy to have a 15-minute connection call with, with anyone who listens to this, who feels, who resonates with uh, or anything I said resonates with them. They feel like there may be some changes they might want to make. They didn't necessarily know what it looks like. There's some clarity they can gain. I'd be more than happy to have a chat. And actually the best way of getting to that conversation is as a, as, um, as a quiz that I offer on my website and it's called the find your true path quiz. Wow. And it's about three minutes long and you, you basically come out on one area of this quadrant and it gives you some idea as to how close to your, your playground you're living in and how, and to what level your self-awareness is. And then it gives you some actionable steps you can take to, to become more aligned and to find your true path. And then when you do that quiz, um, at the end of that, there's a link to, to book a 15 minute call with me. So, Great. um, I'd be more than happy to offer that to your listeners. Great, awesome. And how do people get to do your quiz? Uh, my website is becomeuntamed.com and there's a page on there saying take the quiz. Okay. And um, yeah, really simple. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Jim Hughes, or on Instagram, Jim Hughes UK. Or yeah, they're the best. Website, LinkedIn, Instagram. 
Thank you very much. All of those details will be in the show notes. Uh, just before we do finish up, do you have any kind of one part in line, sentence, paragraph of wisdom for people to take away? I would encourage people to take an audit of their current environment, of their current life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in the work that they're doing, whether it's in the hobbies and activities they're uh, engaged in or the where they're living. And just start going through those and saying, how aligned do those elements feel to me? How much do they allow my true self to come out? And you may not know who your true self is, but you have a feeling deep down. And just be open and honest with yourself, because that's all it starts with, to saying, is there is there something more? Is there some part of me that I'm not allowing out? And just be, being open to the idea that if you do, your life will become immeasurably more fulfilling and the impact you make will become immeasurably greater. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank you. I hope to be able to speak to you again soon. Uh, and listeners, if you want to get in touch with Jim, please do uh, go to the show notes, click on the links, uh, and Jim will be happy to help you with anything you need in your life. Thanks, man. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, follow and review the show. That is very much appreciated. And please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.